0: Welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm your host, Paul Randack. And this week, I'm here with my dear friend, Rebecca Holt, <laughs> who I call Reb, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hi,
0: Reb. Hello. How are you doing Hi, today? I'm Thanks. so happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming and doing this. I've wanted to actually, I mean, I've thought about having you on for a long time, and I, when I contacted you a little while ago, I was so happy. And um, today uh, we're gonna also um, be listening to some sound weaving, which is uh, a um, beautiful uh, sound. And I don't know what you what you call what you call it, but um, I'll let you explain that. when We, we kind of get to that point. Um, but as we do every week, um, we're going to spend a little time and get to know Rebecca and and a little bit about her life and what got her here and. Um, Rebecca and I have worked together on and off for many years um, in many different ways. I was just thinking about this the other day. We, uh, I mean, from the the different uh, areas of the the detox facilities that we worked at, um, you know, working at Wasatch, um, and I can't remember everything else, but probably most importantly, um, was our time that we spent in the desert. Um, Brett Heiner was on last week and, um, we talked quite a bit about the retreats and those things. And, uh, Rebecca and, and I and, uh, a group, of, a, a small group of friends, we, we, we staffed together retreats for a number of years yeah mm-hmm. i don't remember mm-hmm. how long but anyway several
2: several years <laughs>
0: several years we are planning and and seeing if we can put something together for next year right now so yeah anyway uh okay welcome good to have you um you're you actually now that i remember, think about it you didn't grow up here in, in utah no tell
2: mm-hmm.
0: us about growing up in sin city <laughs>
2: Um, Recently where was I Somebody was talking about Vegas And then they said What happens in Vegas Stays in Vegas And I just laughed Because I don't really Think of it that way It's interesting (laughs) But I had like a really um, Different experience of Vegas Growing up there Like a really positive Um, I love the desert I feel like it is the desert And that's kind of What I came from And so I always return To the desert as like a medicine place Which I'll hopefully get to talk about later But it feels like every time I go there It's kind of like coming back to that dry um, Air that Place of home so it's kind of In me as a home but I haven't lived there for many Years Um, I grew up with a Really strong religion that feels Like um, it supported me to have Values and beliefs at a young Age and then um, Kind of move through those in my Older years to To move more into a place of inner spirituality, you know, valuing that from my youth, but also moving to a larger place within myself and kind of in the world. So it did nurture that part of me. I grew up in a really big family there. (laughs) Seven. You did grow up
0: in a really big family. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, um, there, they are some of my dearest friends. It's kind of a rare group. Um, not, not perfect by any means, like so many of waves that we've all been through together. But, Mm -hmm. um, it feels like it was a, my dad was a the district attorney there. So we got to have a, a lot of really fun cra- fun experiences, some really crazy experiences. When I was little, I think once my dad had like a contract on his life because he was like such an honest district attorney um, that he had to leave town. I remember like being a really little girl and having some, a few crazy things like that. Uh-huh. When,
0: when we say contract, we're probably talking about... Someone in the um, organized crime? <laughs> yeah, uh, like in, in the in mobster. Dis- yeah, in the mobsters. Uh, maybe in association with the casino or something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, so it's kind of a kind of a wavy um, place to grow up, but a really good foundation, mm-hmm. it feels like, for... And especially um, both of my parents are these really such interesting people, just creative in their own right and really supportive. So I feel like that was... Um, even through um, even having early childhood trauma and things like that, I still had this really supportive mm-hmm. family that was behind me. Mm-hmm. And I loved growing up there.
0: And you're I mean, I, I've I've gotten to know your sisters over the years, um, but you do have quite a I mean, for for your I mean, your sisters and you you guys are also close. Yeah, it's really it's a, really an amazing
2: it's like a little uh, tribe. It is.
0: It's not like it is a tribe. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I, th- I think that. I think that's been said a few times. The Holt sisters tribe. You mm-hmm, know, right? mm-hmm. and not to say any. You know, I mean, the brothers, of course, are yes, wonderful, too.
2: But the brothers. Anyway.
0: Too. So um, what you said, I grew up in uh, a religion. I'm. I mean, I know that we're speaking about L- the LDS faith, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, and. <sighs> You don't practice that anymore. I mean, you 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 expanded out to you know a, a much different place in being in, in your life spiritual, spirituality from a place of spirituality. What, what do you what do you notice the the differences, especially within a family that's so close? Because um, you do you do have siblings that still you know are, I guess are practicing yeah you know, uh-huh. through the, the LDS uh, culture and, and theology.
2: I do. It's kind of, there's different, everyone's in their own place with it. And I feel like people will ask me, like, how did that happen? And I I mean, I would say probably in my 20s, I'm in my 40s now. Mm and In my 20s is when I first just started having a lot of things that didn't quite, weren't resonating Uh with um, the depth of just different beliefs that I had, like wasn't big enough to hold the different beliefs that I had. Mm -hmm. And I would say, um, sometimes I think about like, what was probably... I remember I had some friends that um, had different gender pre- preferences. And I think that's something at first that I just started thinking, this doesn't really sit well with me. You know, that that scene is like something that's bad or wrong. And then just the You're thing about... you talking about the LGBTQ? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. And also just like the idea that there's one thing that is the truth. Like I, I don't <laughs> think... I just don't think I could ever... Um,
0: I'm sorry yeah. to laugh about that. <laughs> no. I know of some people that's that, that is real for them. But yeah, the idea that there's only one one truth, that there's
2: one know. way or yeah, one truth. Yeah. I just um, that the truth feels like it's in us. And and for mm-hmm. me, it's really like in this deep place of the earth. And I and not saying that people that are LDS also don't believe that because I think you can be in that and find ways to find truth in many things. But for me, it just wasn't wasn't to be in like one Going to a church or going to a thing to fill that—it was expanding out, hmm. and and so it's like gratitude for um, the vehicle of that, and mm-hmm. then moving to like a place more within myself to find that spirituality.
0: Okay, okay. the um, the components of. Uh, of, of, of life's journey when it, it, we look at that, that, that call within us of, of something. And you used, I think, the, the, the term or the expression that it, the, the container that you grew up in, from a theological point of view, couldn't hold everything. It wasn't expansive, expansive enough. And I, I think that's probably true for a lot of people, that they feel like they're, they, they, they're taking much more of an eclectic approach. To, to discovering, you know, how they connect and, and, that being said, nature being a powerful, you started out talking about the desert. And I, I wasn't sure when you were talking about the desert in the very beginning if you meant the desert, you know, in the sense of Las Vegas or if you meant you always feel like you're going home in a way no matter where you are in the desert. Did I did I understand that correctly or
2: I think it's both. Like I I think I was born there in the mm-hmm. desert there. Mm-hmm. And some of my favorite places were like the Red Rocks mm-hmm. out even outside of Las Vegas, sure. and now I know why cuz when I started going to the desert with paul down in escalante the escalante area i just, it was like oh this is like my this is the deepest medicine place for me uh-huh. it felt like home but it, it, i think it's because it brought me to this deepest rhythm within myself uh-huh. like that place of home that i had been outside myself for so long so
0: if if, if like me and 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 I, I don't want to generalize it for you Reb, uh, rev but this idea of, you know, our life's challenges and the struggles that we have in life, how important has it been t- for you to have this kind of connection, especially through nature and the earth and the desert, to to process and to find a way that, you know, the healing that your struggles um, and challenges and, you know, trauma and things like that you talk about, how important has that been?
2: I feel like if you asked me what were the most important things, that would be one of them. And I feel like um, I'm a lover of the ocean and of mountains, like different terrain, but I I am a um, lover of poetry. It's like poetry and sound are probably two of my biggest passions. And one of the poets that I align so much with or just resonate with, his name is John O'Donohue, and he's passed. Um, He was an Irish priest and a poet, Mm -hmm. and he talks about how the landscape shapes us. And every time I hear those words, I just I feel like I was born that way and didn't really know for many years. Like I would go like I I ran. I was a runner when I was little and I would do things outside. But it was so warm, so hot there Mm -hmm. that it wasn't as like it didn't lead you to be outside as much except mm. for in the pool. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so the water really for me was always, um, that's what you did in Las Vegas. You were in the water and I do feel like that's a haven for me. So that's probably where it started was like being out in water all the oh, time. Yeah. Um, and then when I started going to the desert, it was like, Oh, this is, this is where, and we've talked about like that heartbeat of the earth. Yeah. And I feel like it's like, this is where I found and recovered my voice again. Like I really recovered my voice. I could come into this place of safety within my body um, and and be able to calm myself and feel that peace mm-hmm. um, and not have to go outside of myself for that. Mm-hmm. So like one of the most important things was connecting with the earth. Again.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. Growing up and, and being in this large family, did you ever feel like you got lost at times? I mean, that's a lot of kids. Dad's working. I mean, being a district attorney in in a city like Vegas is that, I mean, I, I'm assuming, again, I don't know, but I'm assuming George had some long hours, right?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was he was interesting. We always talk about how he wasn't like a workaholic. Mm-hmm. He's a really, he's a good he's a person who does life in waves kind of. Mm-hmm. And even now, like he's a connector. So he would be home usually by, I would say seven. Like it wasn't really like at the latest. Yeah. I don't remember him even in after when he was an attorney, he was around a lot. So that's one cool thing. Probably he wasn't like an absent person. Um, but yes, I did feel in my family, there's a lot of strong voices. <laughs> there's a lot of um, extroverted energy there's also introverted energy and i think i went through about three-fourths of my life not realizing that i was an introvert
1: um
2: <laughs> and because i was social like i think the term is like social introvert yeah but i had no idea like even how to self-regulate or even what that means or um what anxiety is or i i don't even know i i probably because of the early childhood trauma i was um kind of a little bit outside of my body mm-hmm. so not even aware of like body sensations or how does that how does stress feel? Like I just would be going all the time. It was an addiction to like a busyness.
1: And for prob- you, for yeah. you, okay.
2: And probably because I always had like people around mm-hmm. and you know talking and all of that um, stimulation from outside.
0: So when you say, um, and I know this term gets used uh, in the sense of experiencing a, a personal um, feeling of being grounded. So you've, out of out of out of my body. Um, when when you just when you talk about that, do you do you re- remember those first feelings? I mean, when you felt that way, do you remember what what, what it was like to f- all of a sudden feel just disconnected? Is that kind of what when you're referring When I realized
2: to? that I had been,
0: yeah. Or did you not realize it in the beginning? I
2: didn't realize it as a kid, mm-hmm. um, or even probably into my until my twenties mm-hmm. is when I started doing a lot of healing work. Uh Um, and it actually happened from some back pain. Like I started having severe back pain. Um, Oh really? Yeah. And like, like debilitating back pain. And so I, I just started learning, like I started going to therapy. I started going to a body worker. Um, then I had had, I mean this, this, that will go down a a long Avenue, um, kind of about my abuse. So I Mm -hmm. can talk about that, but it's, I think when I started, um, I'd always known, like I'd always had some fainting spells as Mm -hmm. a young girl, um, like anything. And some traumatic ones. How
0: how old were the fainting spells?
2: Um, Probably starting, the first time I can remember, I was in line in like second grade when you go to the hospital, Mm -hmm. like with your class, and waiting to look at some blood, like through a machine. And next thing I know, I just had fainted and um, was like, oh, I was, someone was giving me like some oranges. and. I kind of always. So
0: the next thing you remember is kind of waking
1: up.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then so a lot of times it would happen at school because they would have like a teaching about something. Hmm. Um, Another time, which is, it's not traumatic for me anymore to talk about, but when you're in fifth grade and you have the movie that you watch about your menstruation, Uh I actually fainted in the middle of that movie and woke up like, it was kind of like I was in water. Like I woke up down on my stomach, like in the middle of the movie. So that's in fifth grade. So some different like pretty symbolic mm-hmm. times of fainting um, and always kind of questioned. Like I, I had some memories and I knew, but I always questioned like, did this happen to me? You know, and I would ask my mom. And so, but it, I do mean
0: like, was it real? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, was I abused or did this happen? And not until my 20s did I really um, start to go to therapy around that and really uncover that part of my life. And I, I've written about it, but I don't know that I've actually really talked about it out loud. Hmm. So <laughs> I'm not scared to do that. Okay. But there okay. you go. <laughs>
0: so um, do you? So then, are the ages of this before fifth As grade? Young, so yeah, very young,
2: between like a three and six, okay. six years. So,
0: so very, very yeah. young. Okay. Yeah. Um, and when you start, what when you? When you're talking to your mom or asking your mom questions, did this really happen? Um, what was her response? I want, I mean, I'm curious. She was
2: always very open. Like, do you remember? Like, always asking me. Um, but never really. We were never really getting to that place of discovery. Okay. I think it probably scared her. So, you know, um, until I was like. I had a lot of um, body dysmorphia. like I went through different um, really like an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. I wasn't diagnosed with it mm-hmm. but in when I turned, let's see, I went to live with my sister in the summer of, of 16. so I was 16 before my junior year and I remember I just I started this cleanse It was like a body cleanse because I had gained some weight um, really with like just body loathing. Mm -hmm. Not loving my body, Mm -hmm. just really being. And so having a relationship with food, like it was either a love or a hate, like really not knowing how to feed myself or nurture myself. And food was was like the enemy.
0: When you said love, hate, was that towards your body or towards the food or both? Towards
2: the food. And then not even my body was not my friend. Like my body was a place that held shame, you know, and I can't, I can't say that was all the time, but. I know that now. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Um, So not comfortable in the skin I was in.
0: Yeah. Walking around and and not feeling comfortable, knowing that there's this underlying layer of shame kind of. Yeah. That's that's always there. Exactly. And so food becomes food becomes a friend.
2: Yeah. And not
0: not always a, a helpful friend, though.
2: No. And so what happened after that was I went to the place of starving because I think I had always really starved myself like of nurturing Mm -hmm. and of like the love that I would deserve. Mm -hmm. And so after that summer, um, I really, I started like a starving campaign. I I don't think it was on purpose, but I I went off of sugar for like 10 years and it started then. Um, And really, I mean, I would, I would lie. Like people would say, did you eat today? And I would go the whole day without food. Right. I didn't throw up, but it was um, just a, a really for my poor like digestive system in my and i lost i was very thin so when i came home it was like this whole um different life but my brain wasn't different so no purging you weren't doing any purging no but, but I you just were started restricting exercising and, and never eating okay yeah like i would have i remember like i have this memory of a three-day period of like having an apple or something and i remember texting my mom and she was or not texting what am i saying um <laughs> calling her and just saying like i can feel like my back on the chair like and she's like well and i hadn't had a, a menstruation period for like eight months <laughs> so it was kind of interesting she took so
0: your weight was getting way down
2: at that uh, time yeah. uh-huh. your
0: body fat was getting way down. yeah
2: and yeah. i went to it's interesting but our gynecologist her gynecologist was the doctor who when I was born, he was the doctor. Does that make sense? yes, like, so he he delivered you delivered all probably most of my mom's kids oh my goodness and was friends with my parents, like yeah. he and his wife and at my birth, i was the like my mom always longed to have like natural births, mm-hmm. but at my birth, um it was like a breakthrough because dads couldn't even be in the room.
0: It's crazy to think about,
2: right? And my dad got to be, and then he got to help catch me. So it was kind of like this cool experience with that doctor, my dad, um, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so she took me to him, which is so interesting, like instead of a therapist or something, but that like, that's where we went. And I remember him just looking at me and saying, Rebecca, do you know what anorexia is? Mm -hmm. Like, and he had this talk with me and it was like, I listened at that time and I just really got it in my I got the information. I took it in. You
0: internalized it. Yeah. Okay.
2: I didn't make huge changes right away, but I think I made a course to change. Like I made a decision, like I'm not going to do it in that way anymore. Right. So it took me many years to, um, you know, to realign that. I think mm-hmm. years of different types of every type of work and modality that I've done, including mm-hmm. my own training to, to really fall in love with my body in a different way. And that's a whole other question, but but I feel today like it, it doesn't really matter the size that it's just like my body is my dear friend, you know, and I can sit here and say that, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. So amazing. Yeah.
0: Congratulations. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. tell. I can feel that. Um, so think, Look, I mean, from some sort of the philosophy, and we talked about this a little bit before we started today when we were talking about, you know, the the, the book I wrote. One of the things in there is looking at... Um Our addictions or our um um our pathology in this case you know you're looking at an eating disorder as did you did you understand it when did when did you begin to understand that this was a symptom of something else that 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 idea of you know i 'm not okay in my own skin but that's that has to do with something else in my life i mean whether it' be trauma or, any, or anything else, but that you you realized that you had been you know you weren't really dealing with the the actual problem yet
2: yeah so in my 20s i started going to a couple different like a really amazing therapist and also a body worker and then i was able to safely um have like those memories it wasn't like recovered memory i already had the memories but i allowed them instead of to feel afraid like to see i could see some of the past like Mm -hmm. of my of being abused and then i also just started releasing a lot of things that I had held in my body Mm -hmm. and I believe that our bodies they tell us so much it's like you can have talk therapy all day long but if you don't I believe if you don't add the body piece whether that's movement, being in the desert, sound, whatever yeah. that piece is to move things out of the body mm-hmm. so that you have more space to be in there. <laughs> um, that's, and that's a great,
0: what, that's a you great example. To. You have more space in there when yeah. you when you move those things out of the way.
2: Because yeah. we're full of, um, I mean, I, you, I know you believe in frequency and energy because mm-hmm. everything is that. And so if, if every day we walk around and we're just like a sponge taking things in mm-hmm. And I think from the time I was a little girl, I was doing that because I I am sensitive um, to hearing and seeing. And so I was just bombarded with like people's thoughts. What was, you know, like people's thoughts would come at me like a loud. I could hear them out loud. And I Mm -hmm. think at a young age, I was just like turning that off. Not going to be doing that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. no, Yeah, right. And
2: so I think as I started uncovering like the past, then I could heal it. I could honor it and say, thank you. And then be able to start the process back. It's like, you know, you go through its stages, kind of like stages of grief, um, coming from, you know, what you and I know about that, but it's really like you, you have, you, you come from the numbness, which Mm -hmm. I think we do that with addiction because that's what we fill in our body. And thank God, because I think when you have abuse like that, your body goes in the Mm -hmm. nerve system to a place of freeze because it saves you. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I had a lot of disassociation, like a lot of freezing, kind of like an animal does. Sure, they freeze. And I think I had a lot of that freezing.
0: Well, and and maybe that's correlated to the fainting I'm yeah. assuming as yep. well.
2: So a lot of places where I would just go like out, you know. Mm-hmm. And it took me, I would say, fifteen years really to like um, uncover, unravel, and and some of the most um, poignant work Mm -hmm. because I had done so many different things. Um, Gosh, like coming out of my religion was another thing because it's in your DNA. So moving out of that and then finding a place where I could feel spiritual Mm -hmm. again and, and feel close to God and know what that was for me and the, and the divine feminine and um, years. (laughs) But what the cool thing is, I think then it's like, you're not replacing, but you're just, for me, I use the word weaving a lot because it feels like this way of taking the the wisdom from the past, like even our ancient ancestors, mm-hmm. and weaving that into now. So it's like taking the parts of the old stories, almost like a quilt, like you're weaving the patterns that do work, and you're unwinding the ones that don't, and then bringing it forward to now. So it's like not missing the beauty of that, but bringing it into mm-hmm. the body now. And the desert was... Um, I was able to go with Paul to the desert. I don't know the age that I started doing that. Probably my early thirties is my guess. I think, um, I need to, like, I could remember <laughs> that if I went back and looked. through It's a little
0: blurry calendars. to me. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not. Might be late. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Early thirties is my guess. Um, yeah. and life, life changing for me. Yeah. Um, just connecting to that. You know, the sweat, Paul does a sweat lodge and it's like we we were talking about that earlier, just um, really like, and there's a process in, there's a shamanic process called a soul retrieval. And I have a few of the sweat lodge memories of just literally recovering my actual voice box, like, like my voice being able to speak
1: Yes. um, in
2: a time when I couldn't speak for myself. Mm -hmm. And to me, that seems like the calling of why I'm here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like a destiny is to like sing and to make this sound like to sound out um, for those that don't know yet that they can't, you know, helping people with that bridge, that gateway to find their own voice. Mm-hmm. So I be- feel like the desert was that place of uncovering. For
0: yeah. And, and and there's it's what's so interesting about that is how safe it is in nature when I mean it, it's probably. I mean, I'm so comfortable in the desert. I mean, like around water too. And I remember, I remember which podcast it was on, but talking about my relationship with with water, similar to yours. Um, but how I always felt safe in water, you know. Yeah. And and but the same thing with the desert. There's and theoretically, you know, the desert is is primitive, and um, there's a lot of things that can happen and. I mean, the areas that we were going into, um, there's nothing out there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's wild. It's wild, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's definitely wild. Um, the only things that are out there are what we bring in. <laughs> yeah. Literally. And so this this idea of being in that kind of an environment, though, also feels so safe. Um, and I, I just, was just actually down there um, a few, well, now I'm thinking four weeks ago almost, yeah. It was over, um, labor day right that was yeah so for labor day i was down there um and i had no, hadn't done a walk about you know by myself mm-hmm. since the, like the late 90s early 2000s and i finally you know spent a couple of days walking around the desert which kind of and i felt safe the whole time uh, I, 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 I i there was no worry no fear nothing mm-hmm. the whole time i was there and i remembered that feeling so comfortable and safe in that environment
2: yeah yeah it's it is there's something about it it's and of course like I've done a silent, we did a day of silence there and that is a whole other experience of like trusting
1: (laughs) yourself, you know,
2: it's 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 like a vision quest time of going, ah, you go through all of those, like the anxiety, the release, and then you just come back to the body into the breath, you know, really it's coming back to your breath and realizing like I, I have all that I need here. I will, I am safe. And to me, um, I'm fascinated with that, like in the sound work that I do and in my own work, When our brains feel safe, when our body feels safe, we, in the brain, we literally move to this part of where we can be, we can socially engage. It's like Mm -hmm. this safety piece where we, our brain changes and those patterns change and we have more space and it's more, you know, there's a whole scientific side of it that I am fascinated by. Um, Mm -hmm. And in my master's, I studied pre and perinatal psychology. And I think I, I was always attracted. Like I thought, do I want to be a midwife? And then I found this program and it was really kind of like a midwife of souls, like studying the patterns of the brain from the womb on. Mm-hmm. And so I had a professor that does this work. Um, he calls it's polarity therapy, but it's finding like this harmonic resonance in mm-hmm. the body. And when I started doing that work with him, it was like, oh, this is what I'm here to do. Like, I think I, I knew at that time, like I didn't know about the sound yet that I was going to do, but I knew about the place in the body. The place, way that I wanted to fill yeah. that piece,
0: you knew you you knew where you wanted that the, the where that sound would resonate within you, Yes. and, th- and how it would, and, and and even maybe how it would, but you didn't know the vehicle yet, the yeah. form in which it came, yeah, yeah yeah and i think about this because i mean t- talking about this experience and the, how it came about and it started with the i mean a lot of it started with the voice right because yeah. the the work in, in in the lodges that we yep. would do with people was learning how to bring everyone's voice together and, mm-hmm. you know starting and then creating
1: Making um, sound.
0: creating creating sound from that yeah and i can i remember those i i, I do i do remember those clearly um and uh then I, when I think about the the work that you're doing now the, and and how that kind of fits and, and ties together e- even though as we'll you know we'll hear in a little bit um, as uh, as as Rebecca does a some sound weaving the the correlation between what this has evolved into and where it started in those, in those lodges, mm-hmm. th- those nights in the desert. Um, there is, I can, I can see the path and the connection. Actually, I, I would not say, see, I can feel it and it's in the sound. Yeah. It is the sound that, that, that carried that all the way through to
1: now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a thread. It's a, sometimes I call it weaving and sometimes I call it lately. I call it spinning even sometimes, Um, When I'm doing it, I can see a golden, it's almost like a DNA thread or something. Like when I have a client there, I can see that golden honey energy, like spinning. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes lately I'm like, oh, it's spinning. And they're they're a little bit different. But the weaving, um, I call it weaving instead of just like a sound bath or sound because it's co-creating with whoever is there. So it's weaving with you and with who's there to um, be, like, together in that energy. Instead of, like, pouring over what I do on you, it's like, no, when you come in, like, I see it like water, and I'm just weaving into it with the person. So it's, I like that, like, the co-creation of it.
0: Co-creation. That's, that's
1: beautiful.
2: And it allows the person coming to receive that they're they're an artist. You know, they're the artist, and I'm helping, the, you know, I'm just facilitating them to allow that
0: well and it also fits into that philosophy that we're co-creators
2: yeah you
0: know that this construct we choose to live in that that we create i mean even though yes we have our own (laughs) separate um construct that you know we we live i I call it a narrative or our story yeah it is written with other people though i mean it's it's not you know unless unless one's a hermit and has always been a hermit our stories are interwoven with other people's yeah. And sounds a beautiful way to express that um, how those those voices and those energies come together and vibrate together yeah uh, that's the thing I, I think one of the things I noticed the most about this this whole process. Um, And the sacredness of of a lodge, and and for those of you that, when we're using these terms, you may not, you may not know what a a lodge is, but we're talking about a sweat lodge, which is a, um, it's a tradition from cultures all over the world, and it's been around since the beginning of human beings, really, um, sweat lodge ceremonies. It's in, in our area of the, the country, um, there are some very strong traditions. Um, uh, Native American traditions that um, uh, sweat lodge becomes uh, a, a part of their life, their teachings, their um, rites of passage that's used in um, and, and, and ceremony work really what this comes down to but it's it's a universal it's universal all over the world Mm -hmm. and i know one of the things that we used to the the, one of the ways that opening up the lodge which was um this notion of connecting to all the other lodges you know that being aware taking a moment and thinking about the literally the thousands of lodges that are probably going on at that moment anywhere in the world Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't think I'm being irrational, or, or <clears throat> I mean, I could be. So I won't. I don't think I'm being. <coughs> <laughs> I don't think you're. Being but um, that that there are that many that there, are, you know, a thousand. I, know, I, I believe or, it. Yeah,
2: there's so many.
0: Yeah, that there are so many different groups and cultures that I- embrace this idea of going in and connecting with the earth and and the sky at the same time, and the tradition. Mostly the lodges that we use maybe follow a, a slightly Lakota tradition as far as their structure goes um and and, and the way that we use uh the directions the four directions um but there's also a whole nother aspect to them which you know using sound and using the soul retrieval work um you know more of a journey lodge that uh um that is is, is such a a powerful experience, I, and and definitely, t- it's fitting in our culture today. Yeah, people are looking for a way to reconnect to things. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, it's like what's coming to me as you're talking is, um, I think for me, a big huge piece was finding this new way of looking at the dark. Like I had always grown up like dark is evil, and all <laughs> of a sudden, I'm my face is mm-hmm. in the dirt, like just you know filling mother earth and like putting it's really warm in there at times and there's times it's like waves and you you're releasing um the dark pieces that no longer serve and it's like the we hear the dark and the shadow and it's like the pieces of us that are hidden or maybe we haven't looked at and so for me that was like returning to the womb it was literally like it's like a womb yeah. and it's this place where you can fill those deep rhythms. And I, I call it now the deep low hum, like in the work that I do, mm-hmm. but it's that place where you find the earth, how the earth sustains you. You know, it's like a river current that's in all of us. And there's so many terms for it, but it's that thing that always is underneath us and in us. And I, I, I that came back to me there, like in the womb of that place. Yeah. So it's like finding, and there's so many poems about it. David white has a poem about sweet darkness, You know, and they're they're just beautiful. And it reminds me of just returning to the dark in a different way. Yeah.
0: Well, this is a great point. And um, this idea of, you know, doing personal work, no matter how it comes about, it, it is this has been a theme, I think, over the last few um, podcast yeah. is this, this talking about you know working on the shadow and em- embracing the and, and learning to hold ourselves in in the darker places within our lives yeah. w- which is really about you know doing the depth type work um, yeah. going in and doing the retrieval work where we're, we're not afraid of it or we don't feel shame <laughs> by it but instead have the ability to in embrace it just like we would embrace the light knowing that it's part of us and not having at least for myself not having to live under the notion that everything has to be peace and love all the time yeah. because it's it's kind of that's irrational it's not it's not who we are we are um we are a multi um and there's plenty of gray in the middle too yeah but you know to to do their healing work right and and yeah. to go through and and deal with um and maybe you know woundings i use the term it's actually not mine i think it's jim freeman's um who was uh, one of our, uh, was one of the founders of ITB where I got my um, transpersonal uh, psychology degree. He, he used the term primal wounding, but those, to go back and be able to deal with those in such a way that we, we become, and embracing it, you know, and, and, and not looking at it as something we have to avoid or feel bad or shame about.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah.
2: and it's it just like, it's, it is like our inner child, and I feel like, We have several, many ages or stages of those. And it's like taking their hand and saying, oh, dear little one, you know, just embracing those parts of us. And Mm. they're really the parts of us that are the artist that you talk about through your books and that artistic self. Yeah, they are. Those are those parts of us.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: And um, I'm so grateful to you for that, that avenue. And I, I just I was remembering when you said about the sound in the lodge, like this was a point poignant moment like we did. Paul would do these um, like a spirit round at the end. And he has a dear um, brother-in-law who's passed, who um, was, I always call my desert brother, but who's a dear one. And I feel him often. And there was a lodge. I'll never forget it because um, you can feel people struggling in the lodge. And it's like you, you support each other through that. And there was one lodge we were doing sound. And it was like I could just hear him. I know he would be fine with me sharing that. This and he was just struggling with like a thing he was releasing, and I could hear him. I could hear him, and I was like, "Ah, I'm something I get to contribute something. And all of a sudden, I just had this deep sound like come for me, like a birth sound, Mm -hmm. and I just started making it. And it was like I could hear him like calming and like his just everything shifting, you know. And then it was like it switched places, and I had the thing happen, and he did a sound. And afterwards, like, we just looked at each other and it was like, thank you. You know, I think we were crying or it was just like, and it it was the first time I I realized and and every lodge after that, I would make the sound for myself. I would always have to find like this deep sound and I haven't birthed a baby, but I've heard, um, I've been, I've been to a few births, like done sound and photography and witnessed my nephew be born and. And hearing those birth sounds, moms do make yes, them. Yes,
0: yes, that de- which I really think represents deep Low. Literally. Yeah, and which is also the title of your
2: of my your CD. Your,
0: your CD. You have an yeah. album that came out, and I I will um and we'll talk about that, and you can tell people how to get a get a hold of that uh, before we wrap it up today. Perfect. Um, th- that is so that is so true, and and that whole and that story. I I remember that story as you were saying that as, as well. Um, I even in the book I do talk a bit about about Matt and and sh- and share the the uh, one I talk about the tattoo. I mean, which is on the back yeah. cover of the book, which uh, that was on he had uh, the story of the two wolves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but as as far as he was uh, also, uh, you know, a firekeeper for quite for quite a long period of time. Um, and and lived and embraced that and and took the responsibility of that as a real sacred oath. It was a powerful experience, but that's the beauty of that: is anyone can go into that situation and if they're willing to do the to do the exploration and be vulnerable and uh, um, allow the intimacy of of that experience. Um, can open up and release things that you know, we had no idea that we, we that we even had the ability or the power to at that time um, and so again you know coming back full circle on this uh, that how the sound became such a vital part a part of that and brought you to this place yeah and brought you to this place
2: yeah, yeah. it's It's a gift, I think. And you hear the um, quotes of like, your you know, your deepest in your deepest wound lies. And I don't know who that quote is by, like some of your greatest gifts. And I don't think you always have to find your greatest gifts through the wound. Mm -hmm. But I think you can. And I think it's when you do and when you can unlock that, it's where your genius lies much, many, much of the time. Yeah. So it's just listening with this deep place of listening and then allowing yourself your own voice, which I think. Is an art in this world that's being recovered, but I think it was lost for a long time. <laughs> there's a lot more people like writing poetry, listening, writing, sharing their art, whatever that is, and I think there's so many avenues from, for that.
1: Yes,
0: that's true. That's true. And uh, of course, our information and communication um, uh, venues and ways to do that have changed and expanded so much that it does allow just about anyone to find a way to be expressive with their art yeah and and with their song
1: Mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. yeah
0: all right i think uh what what i'd like to do if, if it's okay with you is we'll uh take okay. a moment and and do some sound weaving and uh come back and talk a little bit more and if that's okay
1: cool perfect
0: Wow thank you. Um, you got you were really emotional after playing playing this what and then you, you said this that experience was like the, this was reflective of the, the story you were just telling and, and the journey you were just on
1: Yeah
2: um, and I'll tell a, a little piece about what I what happens inside of me with the sound. Mm-hmm and i listen to um whether you believe in guides or angels or just our higher self that voice of Mm -hmm. the divine i listen to those songs and so i say i'm a sound weaver and a a sound healer and a sound song weaver and it's really like singing those songs and and clarissa pincola estes has a thing where she says singing over the bones and it's Like bringing that flesh back into the bones. Totally.
0: I totally know that expression. Yes. Like
2: bringing that song, that that thing back to the heart, returning us to that place of belonging in the heart. And as I was singing, I will hear sometimes the, like the American, how do you say that? English words in my head, like the translation of what the sound is meaning. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like I'll see colors or I'll see who's singing it. If it's a group of African women there in boats, Mm -hmm. like sometimes I see that. However, if you believe in that or not, but for me, I'll see those guides are the ones that bring the songs that we, that return us to that place. So as I was just singing this, it was like, they were telling me it was the story of what I just told on the podcast. So Mm -hmm. Kind of like the sound or the song that matched or that was that message of really, um, I I think we don't enough um, look our eye, our own eyes in the mirror and say, dear one, like look how far you've come or look at the change or you're 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 so loved, I love you. We don't look at our own eyes and say that, mm-hmm. and so it was almost like my own. It was my own self, like bowing to the love within me and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're full. Mm-hmm. And filled. Yeah. yeah,
0: F- Full and filled in that moment. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's, that's what the sound for me, um, it, every people always say like, don't you get really tired? Like I'll do, you know, workshops or I just recently did a group of 500 people and they say, doesn't that drain you? And it's the opposite for me.
0: It's, yes, it's a filling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's energizing. It's, mm-hmm. it raises the vibratory rate.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Whatever language you wanted to use to describe that. Yeah. Yeah. Restorative. Restorative. Right? Yep. So take a moment and, and, um, because this is a, this is an audio podcast. So they can't see what, what you're, you know, how you're, you're making these sounds. But some people I'm sure listening to this are familiar with, with crystal balls and, yeah. and probably have, have heard them at one point in life. Maybe not. But for those that, that don't understand this type of sound and this type of, I mean, this is music. Um, this is sorry, this is music. This is music, a beautiful form of music. Tell us tell us about that.
2: So um, when <laughs> I first started hearing the sound, I had these three Tibetan women, like all of a sudden, I was just in a, I was in kind of a ceremony type of a thing with a bunch of women that I know, and all of a sudden, I just heard them chanting like they were sitting with you and I, and I opened my eyes and just said, "Can you guys hear them?" And my friends. <laughs> You can't hear me (laughs) And my friends were like No but can you sing um, What they're saying Like can you do it And I just laughed Like I can't do that Tibetan chant (laughs) So then I just Closed my eyes And started singing And before I knew it Like I was just bawling Because I was like Wow all my friends Are singing with me You know I, I opened my eyes And we're all just crying And I was like Thank you for singing with me And they're like We weren't singing with you yeah. And so those were my, I call them my Tibetan women and they're really the first um, guides who sang really helped me to listen and um, retrieve those songs. And so now I call them the weavers and I feel like it's all these different groups of ancient voices that come and weave. So that's the sound and song part of it. It's using my voice and I just listen. Sometimes this was a very soothing one. Sometimes it will be with the drum, um, like like a more African sounding song or chant or Mm -hmm. like and they're not things i've learned they're all um just listened and then improv you know created on the spot there Mm -hmm. so i never pre-write anything even (laughs) on the recent ep that i released it's all just i recorded on the you know listening and just making the sound so it's those chants and then i have alchemy crystal bowls which i also sell and they're to me they're I have all a, a lot of different kinds of crystal bowls, and I love them all. Um, but these alchemy crystal are amazing. They're made with a 99%, it's like 99.9, um, heated with quartz, like the, a very pure quartz. And then they are infused with, like, heated into them is the different stones, like, so precious stones that have healing properties. Mm-hmm. So you can choose ones that resonate with you but they have a lot of different purposes and these alchemy crystal are like a high to me they feel like they take people to a really high resonating kind Mm -hmm. of almost like the high heart so they're bringing us to those higher places um within ourselves and within you know connecting it was really interesting doing this work um with people in recovery like i did a lot of and and do classes within like recovery centers Mm -hmm. and people will just come up and say, I haven't had that experience of just feeling like that place of divine, that place of God, like, and a lot of us deny, like, you know, might get mad at a religion at some point. And so it feels like this really universal language. Mm -hmm. It's music, first of all, that we all love, but with the sound, there are scientific reasons. It returns us to that place, you know, that theta, brain state where we can really relax and be but be awake and so the body gets to relax into itself and feel safe
0: well and i think i think for some people this may be the first time that they if, if they haven't felt a sense of um Spiritual connection, or, or God, or divinity in their life, or they've been separated from it because of maybe dogma they learned, or you know, what, what they understood it to be. You yeah. know, the the white the the white guy in the robe in the clouds kind of thing. And instead, they can. What, what I've always noticed with the, um, your, your your sound weaving and your music is that it comes. It even though the sounds outside, it's resonating with something within us, and that's where we feel that sense of connection and spiritual belonging yeah. is in us. Yeah. And that's why I when you hear, I mean, and I know I've, met, I've been in those rooms at the treatment center where you have done that and people have that kind of experience is that this is in me. This is not something outside of me.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say if that's an intention of doing this soul work, it's people retrieving that place of deep belonging mm-hmm. within them that we find in nature that we find in a lot of things, but I feel like we can rest enough in this, in the sound that we can breathe into that and allow it. Yeah. Um, and I, I would love to share, there's another love of my life and that's poetry. And even before the sound, um, I started hearing the poetry Mm -hmm. and I was working with the counselor at the time and, um, just uncovering like the art art that I had that I didn't even know I could create with words. And it was really through like, I would hear it through my ear and just type up the mm. poems, and this is a later poem. But this poem is about the earth and it's about the deep low hum, and I would love to share it. Um, when it, one last thing, when I was in the desert, I remember going maybe like halfway through, and you asked us to come with an intention,
1: uh-huh.
2: and I was talking to a friend. I had just come out of a really hard relationship, like to end. And um, like a lot of really cool things in that relationship, but it brought out a lot of my own art, the relationship, a lot of um, shadow that I needed to look at. And when I was in the desert, I remember we were around the fire and we had um, your our friend Jonathan there, who's a poet and a drummer. And we were doing and Maddie and all of us just playing the drums and sharing poetry. And it was like I had this experience of like up through my feet, this what felt like an art that I had rescue you know brought back that came up through my feet Mm -hmm. and i found this term when i came home i was like searching like what you know i think i was looking like up one day like flamenco singers i was like how do they do that i kind of feel like i i do that sometimes like i'm channeling that art and i found this term in um that's called duende And Clarsip and Cola Estes writes about it, but it's a term um, that really it's translated to the goblin. But it's like this dark. um, It's an artsy. It's our reaction to the arts that comes up through our feet, and it's a it's a concept of a a way of being that's in all of us. But people have that reaction to to like at museums, to music, to concerts, yes. And it's the duende that's in us. The duende, yes. And so I thought, ah. And so this poem is kind of i thought it's okay i'd love to read oh please yes (laughs) there is a deep earth arts rhythm that winds its way up through her darkest roots and the deepest pull of her rivers always flowing ever knowing always humming ever running beneath your feet the beat beneath the beat beneath the beat at the well you are dreaming you are dipping down low where the honey weeps then you are hovering outside of time to the highest of highs where nature's breath and nurtured awning steeps, drinking in all of this sun-soaked elixir, the ancient hums that sing you home in a thousand hushed tones, weaving a thousand times, a thousand rhymes around the thousand trees of a thousand bees, rendering you holy, finally freeing your bones from the inside. Can you hear the earth's sounds? New story, new water, new song. And to me, that's what the sound and the the poetry, everybody, I believe everybody's an artist. I believe everybody is a poet that we all have, whether that's the venue we choose or the, Mm -hmm. but we all have artistic threads that we've <laughs> <Sure. laughs> And that's what your work is about is to help people retrieve that. And I'll be forever grateful for the healing that I've shared with you in the desert and, and all, in so many ways. Hmm. Thank
0: you. Um, it's, it's, and of course this goes all around. It's a, it's a big circle. It's it, uh, it, that how, how we support each other in this process. Um, uh, the idea and and I also embrace it from this the idea that we learn to individuate ourselves yeah. um, from uh, some of our story that hasn't been serving us that maybe has uh, in fact been almost toxic for us and has prevented us from being able to rise up and rise forward and 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 be true and, and resonate with that um, that soul song within us that heart song. Um, and and that's that's what I, I suppose one of the things Reb I love most about um, the deep low hum is that what it what it represents that deep connection within us and how it comes forth and it is it's 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 I'm not a big fan always of this word but it it has this feeling of being able to settle into being. And and not necessarily trance like in any way, but being able to settle into being, to be present in the moment. There's it just it's difficult to to go outside of ourselves and externalize too much in this yeah. in that kind of space.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You can't not when you're in that um in the earth, when you're in those places of quiet, like you can't help but be a witness mm-hmm. but listen learn to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And breathe. Like the breath is the One of my teachers says, like, our breath is the most intimate way to touch spirit. And it's like, or touch soul, whatever your word is. And it's like we find our breath again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so true. All right. Are you up for uh, doing one more? Sure. For us today? Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, We are back um, Is there anything you want to talk about this That piece that you just
2: That piece does weave a song from the sweat lodge in it um, And it's interesting but recently it started I just heard it one time I was doing a sound weaving at 21st Yoga And I was like sitting in the And I just heard it come back And it was like a memory of singing it And it's uh-huh. one of the songs that in the sweat lodge you sing different Lakota songs but mm-hmm. then there's also just sacred songs and that's mm-hmm. one of them um, and it just started coming into some of my workshops and I was like oh this is like bringing that that place of Mother Earth into the sound and so I don't ever plan that it just when it comes it comes so that felt like just a little weaving of that Mother Earth um, you know connection or holding place heart holding heart holding. heart watering
0: yeah perfect uh, perfect okay um i'm gonna ask you a few questions okay and <laughs> you can share what you want and not, <laughs> not what you don't want um there's one of the questions that i i often ask guests and and you know i know you and i have talked about this in, throughout um the time we've known each other is is sort of how sometimes we function in certain kinds of relationships um like the roles that we play and mm-hmm. the the One of the roles um, that we talk I talk about two primary roles, and there are obviously many more than that, but the ones I look at are the fixer and the saboteur the fixer being the one that tries to take care of everyone and make sure everyone else is okay quite often even over themselves they they worry about every you know the, everyone else's health and what they need to do and and the saboteur is kind of running around trying to keep a certain level of chaos around so that um it keeps the the fixer uh, <laughs> occupied, but also not completely uh, able to catch up and ever get things, you know, at a, at a calm level. Even though some some love some t- things, sometimes things do. Mm-hmm. do you, when you think of yourself and and in your relational dynamics in life, do you f- ever think that you maybe lean towards one or the other? Do you see yourself more as a a fixer or a saboteur?
2: Yeah, definitely more the fixer. Probably I've had to learn being an empathic empath or empathic person like many years ago i had to start learning those skills of Mm -hmm. being able to support and not um come in and take it on Mm -hmm. so really um and doing healing work i've also had to learn how to oh no it's not the fixer i'm bringing this place of support Mm -hmm. and so i've really i feel like transformed that within myself Mm -hmm. i'm not perfect but by any means, we're always learning, <laughs> right. but and I feel like um, I think
0: when, when we become perfect, we disappear, no, right? Kidding. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's transformed more as a supportive facilitator, you know, than a fixer. But, mm-hmm. but early on, of course, that was, I think, often people would come to me. I, I was a counselor many times for like mm-hmm. friends and. I really had to like at some point um, I didn't speak about this, but but just briefly several years ago, that's really what brought me to go to the desert was I had a severe time of anxiety that mm-hmm. came into my life and um, of panic attacks every day. Just kind of like I see it like a pressure cooker just going off like a teapot that's just exploding yeah. really in my life. It was like my body just giving me that signal that, no, you are fixing too much you're doing too much and you're really outside of your body mm-hmm. so i had to stop literally physically and in so many ways like and start listening and it was a good it took me about a year of uh doing a mix of like work with in you know modalities all kinds of things i i did a training um with a with the four wind society which is a shamanic um healing light body school over several years a yoga training um work in the desert with you so a lot of different modalities along with therapy but Mm -hmm. i think um really just helped me return and really without medication i think i took one volume and i was just like for me not not saying that that's i honor anyone that needs that avenue for the time that they need it for me it was like the feeling of um feeling a panic attack inside but it being clouded on the outside right, right and i just couldn't for me do that and so it was returning to through yoga and the breath and through sound and nutrition you know i uh, had a functional medicine doctor i was really able to find that balance and i don't think i've had a panic attack for probably six years wow so it's being pretty, pretty fun yeah. and i have a passion about i really believe that we can return to those slower rhythms that we can heal those kind of things. It's not a permanent thing. Like I'm always going to have anxiety or I'm always, and sometimes we're attached to that story and there's well, no blame if we are. Right. Right. <laughs> well,
0: anxiety, I mean, stress is obvious. Stress is normal and natural. Yes. And even anxiety is, it's, it is it, it, because it's sort of a feedback mechanism. Yeah. Right.
2: And I would tend more towards that mm-hmm. even now than, than depression, you know, to uh-huh. worry or stress. Right. And so it's like finding tools and avenues. Yeah. To not fix, to not jump in and be so busy all the time. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: um, how do you? How do you find, or what brings you joy? What's what's the thing in life that that just resonates joy and, and bliss for you, Reb?
2: There's several things I've probably talked about several of them here. One is nature, <laughs> <You have>. <laughs> <laughs> um, just being like out hiking or on the water, like in an ocean or just being outside and being able to breathe. Like I would say is probably one of the first ones. The second is music. I think from the time I was a little girl, that would be like my, I would go in my room and just turn on my music. And that for me was the saving grace. Um, like that grace that really like the thread of grace through mm-hmm. my life is music. Uh-huh. Um, I think those two things. And then of course, like connection, I love like the thought of like a baby's laugh. Like I, I love little ones. And so connecting, I have lots of grand nieces and nephews and nieces and nephews and Mm -hmm. just that feeling of like childlike love and connection and, and just being with dear friends. So heart connection with those that I love.
0: You know, and I was thinking about this earlier that, but you, this is, you just reminded me of it when you talked about heart connection and community. Um, cause I think last time I saw you was a community tea, right? Yeah. 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 And, uh, and what a, what a powerful experience that was. Um, in fact, that was my first, that was my tea first tea ceremony. ceremony. Yeah. With Laura. And, and, um, I, it, it was, it, it, it hit me. I mean, it, obviously it was the, you know, I, I'll, I'll, also you being there and 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 bringing the sound weaving into it. Um, but there was that tea ceremony and then the community was there, yeah. um, was just a remarkable opportunity and connection. And that, that idea of connection, that, that really hit me that night. I was like, this is really, I mean, cause I'd, I'd never been there before, but, and, but there were so many faces I knew, I mean, yeah. from different walks of my life, people I'm going, some people I hadn't seen in, in, in a while too. And it was a fascinating experience, but I, I felt so much a, a part of that. And, um, and I, I think I went every month after that until she left. So, which was last month. He's talking
2: about a dear friend who is, does sacred tea ceremony and she's, she's a medicine carrier. I mean, she brings, and I, I'll never forget the first time I did the ceremony. It Uh comes from, and she's studied with, um, global tea hut through uh, in China, Mm -hmm. but it's this slow process. And I felt like it was a sweat lodge. I I turned to Val, my sister, and we were like, it's like layers. It's like taking off layers. And you're in this quiet place. And I was like, this is the closest thing to a sweat lodge that I found. (laughs) Like, just sitting here drinking tea. And you'll have, like, these... And it's not a medicinal... There's no um, altering substances. (laughs) But the tea is such... the It's ancient leaves. And the idea that she... The lineage that she use you know comes from is they pick that tea it's from the t- the tea leaves in china and in other mm-hmm. ancient lands and they believe like the that they're you're eating the tea like of your ancestors because right. it's the tea leaves so you're literally eating your ancestors or yeah. drinking <laughs> but it's really you you know so just drinking of the well of yourself
0: yeah
2: it's amazing that's I a beautiful that. way
0: to put it yeah, and uh, and
2: tea is another thing that brings me joy sacred sacred ceremony and yeah. sacred of course like it, those kinds of things
0: yeah, I've been um I've this is new this is new for me. So I quit drinking coffee. After wow. my heart attack, I went to decaf wow. and then um this last well, it's just the end, sometime the end of last month, I just cut it out altogether and I've been mainly just now drinking the tea from Cinnabar, because oh. um, there's something about it. There's definitely it, it had to, talking about um, ancient teas, and there was one of the teas that the white tea
1: uh-huh. that
0: came from these in the, uh, came from these old tea trees. I guess some of them are yes. like so s- uh, seventy to hundred years old. Some of yeah. these trees, and you have to climb up into them and to uh, get the tea leaves. It's not like picking it off the, the smaller right. bush, the bushes, or anything like that. Um, that sort of something shifted in me at that point and i and i realized that this was um, a deep deep ceremony I, I had that same kind of experience
1: yeah it's
2: so, uh what a gift you yeah. get to be quiet and listen and just it's you, you're drinking it silently mostly yeah which is so great <laughs>
0: that, that, like the morning silence yes, right? yeah, Like yes it silence. is in the desert you have yeah.
2: you're silent in the morning which yeah. is a gift
0: um okay uh well, that took me totally, totally off the subject. I went completely blank. Okay, um, ha- the idea of, of you you—you're explaining kind of you know where you find your joy and your bliss and 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 the. Uh, what do you do for you to connect to that place just within you that is, is your sacred part? I, I call it the Zen zone, I, and I think of this whole container that I do here, sort of that kind of zone in space where people can explore and look at the shadow of the light. When how do you how do you connect yourself with that? Where where do you where do you find that? And different than just joy and bliss, but actually, you know, experiencing all well, I, I had I have a friend and a colleague that used this expression that contains all the colors
1: mm-hmm.
0: of the Crayola box of emotion.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, I love that. yeah that's such a good question. I think there's many ways. I mean, one is if I'm in a quiet place in nature, mm-hmm. sometimes if I'm out on a hike, I'll just sit and sometimes I will make sound. And I feel like and i I do sound weaving like up Mill Creek Canyon, and I do. And when I combine sound with like a place out in nature, that's mm-hmm. a huge one for me some kind of music with that. But in my own practice, it's really just stilling my mind, um, you know, for a number of minutes a day. And sometimes I do a guided meditation and, but it's taking that time each day. It changes for me. I like variety. Um, And lately I've been doing kind of even a body scan meditation where I am just feeling inside the body, the sensations. Mm -hmm. um, And that's part of a um, MBSR, like a mindfulness based stress reaction. I think I'm learning but just taking that time to go inside it's not even any words except for feeling inside like my arm what's Mm -hmm. the sensation feeling inside my feet and it's bringing us into that safe place in the body Mm. so I've been practicing that a little more lately I think it changes up for me but it is about meditation about quieting um even just sitting in stillness for 20 minutes or hmm. however i can do that doing some yoga to, you know taking a place of a quieter mind
0: that that's your that's your safe and yeah your zen spot mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Perfect. and beautiful for me it is being i i thrive as a introvert like i i'm a i'm an extreme introvert really i think i never knew it but so i was always just like overwhelmed um, until many years ago, but I think for me, I do like, I love being by myself when I can like listen to music or read poetry. Sometimes a lot of times poetry is my meditation, mm-hmm. like either reading it or writing it mm-hmm. or listening to like a poet, um, audio. Um, the poetry actually is a healing and you can, there's a whole genre of, um, poetry that heals cause it's like the cadence and the sound of the voice with it spoken out loud. But for me, that's another healing modality mm. that helps me return to myself
0: with um and, and you're i mean you've you, i mean you have the you you have a written a lot of poetry yourself i mean i I remember um when you be be sort of this became this (laughs) prolific expression of words yeah and how they just started coming i mean they were that for a period they were exploding out literally exploding out of you they
1: were
2: different at the first it was like stanzas of words yes because i shared a lot of them with you and it would just be these my early poems were like um just layers of words Mm -hmm. unfolding kind of unwinding emotion and um, I call my website and my work words that breathe and it's kind of and then the deep low hum is the sound but the words that breathe is really I think all of it like our what we put forward with our words, with our intention, it does breathe yes. literally and create
0: <laughs> so much, so much. So true. And, and so what is the? So can people contact you through that website? Is that the yeah. best way to get a hold of you?
2: Uh-huh. I have a website, words, that And then my Instagram is words that breathe. And so monthly I do events. Um, people also hire me just for retreats or I create my own retreats. Mm-hmm. Um, this next year I'll be doing an international one next fall i haven't announced it yet but um that kind of combines a lot of the work shamanic some shamanic work and poetry and sound and um, a little bit of pilgrimage so travel to other places very nice but and then private sessions of course so yep they can find me instagram's probably the biggest avenue that i use now Mm -hmm. for expression so poetry and sound on there my schedule but my website always has things on it
0: and do you you, if people wanted to contact you if they wanted to do a session a sound weaving session because you do that from from an individual healing process as well yeah how would they contact you
2: yeah they can email me and it's just words that breathe at gmail.com okay it's the best way
0: okay so I mentioned I was going to ask you this question a little while ago, um, and I ask everyone, all my all my guests, um, if there was a song or two that would represent or have deep meaning in some way for you in your life, or if there was a life celebration for you, um, are there one or two songs that stand out and, and tell us why they're important?
2: Yeah, the first one that comes to me is Blackbird. I think um, I don't remember when that started. Probably from the time I was a teenager, I loved it. Um, I love the Beatles and I always did but I just love the words of that song it's it's really about, re- I think it is about retrieving the freedom of your own wings and your own voice.
0: I totally agree with you. And, yeah.
2: and it comes sometimes in my weavings, like I'll be in a group weaving and it will, that song will come through. And I, it's, I play the guitar too. And it's, um, I don't play it very often, but that's one song, a song that I know <laughs> on the guitar that I can sing and play, um, when I practice a little bit. And so it, it feels like a mantra kind of for me. Like nice. the, it's a big one. Okay. I love that one. And then also there's a song from when I was little, if people like my family knows this and I feel like this one is a mantra. Um, I think from the time I was two, I have memories of, I was, a I took tap for like 10 years. I did a lot of dancing as Uh a girl and I would do performances for my family. Like um, we always had an area that was kind of like a stage and I think I drove them crazy, but I was always like tapping, singing. Doing like you know, shows
0: you were performing, yeah, Yeah, yeah.
2: and um, that song, Sing Sing a Song, um, a performing
0: introvert, by the way, (laughs) exactly. I
2: was, I know. Um, it it goes, Sing, sing a song, no matter if it's not good enough. Um, you know, sing, sing a song, and whatever all the words are to that. It's a really old song, but I realized later in life, like, what a mantra that was for me. Like, you can always sing, sing a song, and it's like if you're just feeling like everybody knows that like you have these songs that just retrieve you back to the place of all is well yeah right and that for me it's like just sing you know just sing and that is that is a huge mantra for me, those two songs I mean, I have a list of probably 40 that I could give you <laughs> uh, There's an artist that I want to mention Because I just always, he, it's James Taylor And I think through my whole life Like, I, I had this time of living in D.C. when I was in my 20s And it was this real time of joy Like, I had this dear friend that lived with me And we always, like, lived in kind of, like, music And we'd be like, when I moved there I had dyed my hair dark really dark and for the first month or two we just laid on the ground we're like what have we done like we moved from Salt Lake to there and we're just like what like seriously we don't know anyone and it just it took us a while and I came back to Utah and I had lightened my hair like to blonde and I went back and you both were like the sun has come out Like since your hair is black Everything is better
1: And then we had this We would
2: joke Because we would just go Like seriously Everything in our lives is better And one day we're at the beach I wrote a poem about this Because we were in like Ocean Beach I think Virginia And we just looked at each other And we're like It doesn't get better than this And it was just this time And it and we listened to James Taylor We, w- we went to a concert of his And it was in North Carolina, so it was kind of like his home. Yeah. And I'll just always feel like most of his songs bring me to this place of just like being at home yeah. within myself.
0: Yeah, so true. So true. Beautiful. All right. Um, I was thinking about this and that you were, as you were telling that story too, the, this it came back to me that when we were talking about this earlier, this, this sense of you know being able to move through and process through and, and how good it feels to get through shadow it's yeah. cathartic that's what I, I was going to, to say earlier is that that feeling of moving through life no matter what our challenges are and getting past the stuff that either we've somehow made an agreement it's hard to do or maybe it's been uncomfortable to do I know I've been shifting um, in a lot of the groups that we do, we've been shifting this terminology a little bit. Is it hard or is it just uncomfortable? You yeah, know?
2: I like that. And
0: I, I like it too. I do. And 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 being able to be uncomfortable and be okay with it, that's where catharsis comes in. Yeah. And we can kind of sit and be still with ourselves.
2: Yes. Yeah. And it is, it is in the... In the desert, in these places where we go to the wild parts of ourselves. And the wild parts. Really I love really reclaiming. It, yeah. The primitive parts, yes. I think what you're talking about in me feels like reclaiming. It's like reclaiming, returning to that and our own power. Yeah. So it's like we can stand in that and be in that, like in that place of fear even. So like every time I teach, I think every time it's a little bit easier because it feels so much like just genuine inside of me. And when I first started, I was so fearful. And just every time, a little bit of uncomfort, like it, but it's like this place of uncomfort that pushes you to be more of mm-hmm. yourself, cool. and it's powerful.
0: That's that's beautiful. All right, right, Rev, thank you so much. I'm so grateful you. you came and spent this thank time you, this you, afternoon together. Um, so uh, next week uh, we have the roundtable um, with uh, Sarah, uh, Brent brady and who knows if matt will be here or not uh the week after that is uh, dr robert simpson and at the end of the month melanie tackett who is an old friend of yours and, as well i know
1: wow, that's amazing
0: <laughs> all right thanks again rep Thank uh, you. we will go out as we always do with little joan osborne see you guys next week